Are you ready for the word today? We're going to read one verse. If you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn it to Acts chapter 3. Were you, were you blessed last night? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I give you what I have. I give you what I have. I give you what I have. I've titled my sermon today as Give What You Have. Give What You Have. My question to you today is What do you have? What do you have? Many people complain of the things that they don't have, isn't it? They complain. They compare their lives with others and say, they are better than me. I don't have things that they have, okay? I don't have the job that they have. I don't have the blessings they have, okay? But what do you have? What do you have? Were you thankful to God for the things that he gave you? As long as you don't realize what you have, you will never be grateful. Yeah. As long as you don't realize what you have, you don't be grateful to God. Stop comparing your life with others. Stop comparing your life with others. Because you are unique. When God made us, he did not make all of us alike. He did not give all of us the same gifts. He gave different gifts, different abilities, so that together we can work and build the kingdom of God. Stop underestimating who you are and what God gave you. Okay? Stop underestimating the things that you think are least in your life. I can look into this house and say that none of us here are without talents, without blessings, without a grace, without a special empowerment to do the things that God has called us to do. 
No one. No, none of us. Do you think God will create something which is worthless? Never. Never. Do you think God will make something which is of no use? Never. When God made us, he blessed us. He's looked at man and said, this is good. It's good. Whether you see the goodness of God in your life or no. Okay. Despite of your experiences or feelings, God is good in your life. Amen. God is good in your life. I want you to understand this. God is good. And when God made us, he gave us gifts. He gave us abilities. He gave us talents. He gave us skills. He called us. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I called you. He called us. Amen. He has chosen us. He has set us apart. He has set us apart. The problem is we have not recognized it. Some of us have not recognized it. Some of us are not using it even after knowing what God gave us. And we've been complaining why why we are living a life certain way. We need to use what God has given to us. We need to use. Do not try to live what God did not give you. Okay. You, do, you can grow in your skills. You can learn skills, but there is something that God has created you with. You were born with it. And that is your identity. Have you known what you are called for? Have you realized the gift and the call and the purpose of God over your life? Peter said, what I have, I give you. What I have, what I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. If you read the verse, it says, verse 6, Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you. Silver and gold I do not have. Okay, silver, gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. When you use what God gave you, then what you need will come follow you. I'll repeat. When you use what God gave you, what you need comes and follows you. He said, silver and gold I do not have. 
But if you read Acts chapter 4, okay, he did not have, in other words, he did not have money to give the a lame man. He said, silver and gold I do not have. But when he gave what he has, the Bible says in verse 34, there were no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. See, so he said in chapter 3, he said, I do not have gold or silver. But in chapter 4, we see people are bringing money and they are pouring at the apostles' feet. How did this happen? How did this happen? Because the apostles were faithful to use what God had given to them. When you are faithful in what God gave you, God will empower you to fulfill the needs of the others. Some of us, we run after money. And sometimes money seems to be running away from us. Some of us will, are running to see our life settled. Okay? As we run for it, our settlement seems to be running away from us. And sometimes it seems to be hiding from us. But when we do what God has called us to do, when we use the gifts God has given us to use, and then you see everything that you need, everything the people around you need, God will bring and throw it at your feet. Yesterday I taught you about hosting God. Have you prepared a place for God in your life, in your house? If the answer is yes, then I have a good news for you. God has come. God has come. Because when you prepare a place and you say, God, please come, He comes. He manifests himself. He makes his dwelling with us. Can I ask you, where is God? God is everywhere. But you don't feel God everywhere, do you? Is God on the streets? Yes or no? Is God in the brothels? Now you're confused. Is God in the temples? Is God in the mosques? What makes God different here and outside the church? Here he manifests himself. Why? Because we honor him. We worship him. We praise him. And God inhabits. He comes and he begins to live among us because we love him. Amen. And wherever you prepare a place for God and say, God, I want you to come in this place. The good news is God chooses to come. 
He chooses to come. In fact, the Bible says, where two or three gather in his name, he will come. Many preachers won't come if there are two or three people, you see. The first thing they ask is, okay, how big is your church? Oh, it's only two, three people. Uh-uh, that's not for me. You can call the other brother down this lane. I'm too big for that, two people. But Jesus, Bible says, where two or three are gathered, he comes. He comes. If you have prepared a place for God in your life, and in your house, and you're saying, God, I need you. Please come. Please manifest yourself. God, have your way. And then God definitely comes. Sometimes we make a prayer like this. God, please come. Please come. And after God comes, you don't know what to do with this God. Yeah. Have you prepared a place in your life? In your family, in your workplace, is there a place, is there enough room for God to come and live with you? And wherever you give him space, that's where he comes. The creator of the universe, he comes and he chooses to live among us who love and worship him. Amen. We have been praying for revival, isn't it? What is revival? Many people have different, different definitions. But I believe revival is God visiting us. Not just visiting us in our feelings, but God manifesting himself to us. Amen. Revival is God visiting, manifesting, and living with us. Amen. Revival is not just an event. It's not just after 30 days of prayer, revival is over. No, no, no. Revival is a lifestyle. It's a life that we live. Amen. Revival is not bound to a calendar. It is not limited to the time. Revival is a life where we host God continually, where we live with God, and where God begins to live with us and through us. That is revival. Don't make a revival a season. <laughs> revival is not a season, it is a life. It's a life. And guess what? We are all called to be revivalists. How do I know this? Because we carry a DNA of the revivalists. You cannot be under the umbrella of revival and not be a revivalist. That is in our DNA. If you are not a revivalist, then there is something wrong with your roots. You need to know where your roots are. If you are rooted in the DNA of a revivalist, then revivalist, being a revival, becomes our inheritance. 
Amen. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, these are the disciples who walked with Jesus, who sat with Jesus, who heard Jesus, who ministered with Jesus. They know Jesus very closely. And after Jesus died, everyone went back to the square one. Jesus rose again. He came to his disciples. He strengthened them. He strengthened Peter to strengthen the other disciples. Yeah. And now the disciples, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And God set them on fire in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 3, they were going to a temple to pray. Okay, they were going to temple to pray. And they saw a lame man. By birth he was lame. And he was expecting money from the apostles. Then Peter said, silver gold I do not have. What I have, I give you. He understood what he has. He understood his DNA. He understood what he inherited in the spirit. And once when he knew what he has, he said, silver and gold is very cheap. I'll give you something that will fix your life. And he said, in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. And the Bible says, immediately the man who was crippled for 40 years, immediately his ankles got strengthened, his knees got strengthened, and immediately he began to stand on feet. How did this happen? How did this happen? Even they questioned the apostles the same thing. They were brought to the Sanhedrin and they said, how did this happen? And Apostles had to tell, this is in the power of the name of Jesus that this man is standing today. The apostles confess, it is not by our righteousness, it is not by our prayers, it is not because of our fasting, it is because of the name of Jesus. And can I tell you today, the name of Jesus is available to you and me. I asked you earlier, what do you have? Isn't it? I'll give an answer now. We have Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit who is fellowshipping with us every day. We have the grace of God. We have the anointing that is needed. To bring revival. We got everything we need. But the question is. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing with the name of Jesus? What are we doing with the spirit of God who is with us. To lead us, to guide us, to help us, to empower us. What are we doing with him? 
We have the living word of God. If you put this word in action, this word manifests. What are we doing with this word? Peter and John said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you. And these are the disciples of Jesus. These are the disciples of Jesus. Do you know who a disciple is? Well, I have a definition. If you like it, you can take it, or else you can use your definition which you think is better. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus. Who is following Jesus every day. Not the one who followed Jesus, but the one who continues to follow Jesus even today. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Amen. I have it in three parts. That's the first part, by the way. The one who is following Jesus is a disciple. And the second part is the one whose life is being transforming after Jesus. If you check your life, if you are living the way you lived last year, then probably you haven't grown since a year. If you're falling into the same trap which you fell five years ago, then you haven't grown since five years. When you're following Jesus, your life gets transformed. You begin to hate things that which you loved once. Yeah. You begin to love things that which you ignored at first. Because you are transforming into the likeness of Jesus. Day by day you will look like Jesus. When you open your mouth, people will hear the words of Jesus. When you live your life, the way you live, the kind of things that you do reflects Jesus. Are you following Jesus? Are you transforming in Jesus' likeness? The third part is, a disciple is someone who reflects Jesus. In other words, who lives like Jesus. <laughs> a disciple of Jesus is someone who is reflecting Jesus. The world may not see Jesus because he is at the right hand of the Father. But the world can definitely see the disciple who is following Jesus. When the world looks at you, can they see Jesus in you? A big question. You can be in church for years. And if you haven't transformed in Jesus' likeness, then there is something wrong. If you are not reflecting, if you're not living like Jesus, then there is something wrong. 
Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, but you can do what I did. Which means the kind of life that Jesus lived, we too can live. We too can live. It's not we too can. We should live. We don't have an option. Okay? In order for us to win this generation, we need to live like Jesus. We need to come back to that first love. We need to come back to that raw power the apostles experienced in the Bible. Too many religions have too many good things. But what makes us different from them is that we have life. They might have theory, but we have life. We have life. We have the manifestation of the spirit and power of God. So these disciples, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they became a different people. Became a different people. They knew what they had. And they were so confident about it that they did not hesitate to proclaim about the name of Jesus. They did not doubt, oh, what if if I pray whether God will heal this person or no? They did not have doubt. Because they knew what they have. They knew what they carried. They knew the person who was with them. Do you know what you have? Do you know what you have? As I told you earlier, this revival is not just an event. It's a lifestyle. It's a daily activity. It's a daily activity. Even after this 31 days is over, that doesn't mean that your revival season is over. Yeah. Do not limit revival or the move of God or the visitation or the manifestation of God to a calendar and time. I'm telling you again, revival is a life that we live. Revival is a life that we live. You need to begin to reflect Jesus. You need to live like Jesus lived. As my father would say, a father is not the standard that we have to live. It is the standard that we need to surpass. Doesn't it sound like the words of Jesus? Jesus said, you can do what I did and even more than what I did. Amen. Amen. That is the standard of life that God has called us to live. Do not limit it by saying, okay, I'm not a full-time minister yet. Oh, I haven't prayed yet. I haven't fasted enough. Yeah. Oh, I just fell last week. The fullness of God lives in us. <laughs> the fullness of God lives in us. And we have this 
privilege while we are still alive we have this privilege to represent and to reflect god in this world that's the reason bible says in acts chapter 3 verse 4 it says peter looked straight at him as did john then peter said look at us he did not say hey have faith in god he did not say believe god that guy has been near the temple near that gate for years okay probably if the if the speaker were loud he might have heard the gospel also yeah if the worship team was loud enough he probably he might have worshiped outside the church outside the temple peter is saying look at us look at me look at me he did not say look at god fix your eyes on god trust god all the religious stuff he said look at me look at us look at us probably this man gave his full attention that day thinking probably i'll get what i want today early and i'll go back home sooner than yesterday because probably this guy is expecting something more that day oh it's just uh the prayer just started people have not even come and this man is saying already saying look at me look at us probably this man will give me all that i need today so that i'll take from this man and i'll go home early today probably he was expecting more money the full money from peter and john then the next sentence says silver and gold i do not have probably this man of thought if you don't have what i need why should i look at you yeah i need silver and gold and you are telling me that you don't have silver and gold if you don't have what i need shh move away yeah but peter said look at us look at us do you have grace to look into the eyes of the world and say look at me you need to come to a place where you're saying god is so good and gracious that he chooses to live inside of me and when you have seen me you have seen god when you have heard me you have heard god when i have touched you god has touched you when i speak something in your life it is as if god has spoken that is the kind of a life that god is calling us into stop underestimating yourself god is not moved by your prayer life see praying is good there is no substitute for prayer but do not put your faith in your prayers alone do not put your faith in your fastings alone 
which if you do, you are saying, I have prayed for five hours, then definitely I have earned enough grace so that I can bring a revival. Your faith is not in God, but in what you did. You need to come to a place where you're saying, look at me. Look at me. If this area is dry, look at me. I have something in my belly. When I open my mouth, rivers will flow in this place and make this dry land wet. It doesn't matter how your office setup looks like. When you enter into your office or college or school, when you say in Jesus' name, the rivers of God should begin to fill that place and people should be scared, somehow stopped to speak the kind of the language that they usually speak. Why? Because of your presence. Your presence should make a difference in the community that you are living in. You are the light, Jesus said. You are the light. And when you walk into the dark situation, the darkness doesn't have an option than to leave. Do you know what you have? Do you know what you have? Do you know what you have? When you look at the sick person, you can either sympathize with him or you can say, I have something to, to, to give you today. In Jesus' name, rise up and walk. You do what God has called you to do. And healing that person is God's part. Yeah. Peter's saying, this man is healed. Standing completely whole before you. It's not because of us. Though I might have spoken to him. Though I might have declared something over his life. But the power that made him stand doesn't come from me. It comes from Jesus. It comes from God Almighty. When you know that God is the healer. God is the deliverer. God is the savior. What are you doing with this God in your life? When you see so many broken people around you. When you see so many sick people around you. When you see so many depressed people around you. What are you doing? Are you just saying, brother, please come to my church. Everything will be all right. That's a good thing that you can tell him that. But what you can do is, I'm going to pray for you in Jesus' name and you're going to be healed. And tomorrow, next Sunday, you come and testify in our church. That's another thing, isn't it? Immediately, you can pray for him. Hey, by the way, did he pray? No, no, he, he just commanded. He didn't say, let's pray, brother. You lame person, you come. John, brother John, you go behind him. Let's pray for this. No. No, no, no. He said, in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. That's it. That's it. Ten seconds. Ten seconds of prayer fixed his life. He did not stand there and say, Rebo Shaka Namadiana Mante. Yeah. He just spoke life.
into his dead situation. He just spoke. He just spoke. He just spoke. And when he spoke, life entered into that man through his words. When you speak on behalf of God, and when you say in Jesus' name, the power in the name of Jesus will make sick healed or possessed free or oppressed free. Amen. What are you doing with what you have? What are you doing with what you have? There will be a time where your pastors will be away. Yeah. There will be a time that your spiritual leaders will be away. You cannot call them say, hey pastor, can you please come? We are in a very terrible situation. We need you. Your pastor will blast you on your phone. It's good. Like if you have your pastor around, you can both go like Peter and John. But sometimes God you, puts you alone in certain place. And you say, brother, I am the only believer in my whole office. Yeah. In my whole family, I am the only believer. Good, no? <laughs> good, no? You don't have a competition there. You don't have a say, oh, whether Peter will say this or John. Who will start first? Peter will start or John will start? Or if Peter starts, I have to agree with him. There you don't have an option. You have to be everything. You have to take a risk, a good risk. Okay? You have to take a risk. Can I tell you a story? I think I shared the story earlier. Again, I'll tell you this. Once we went to an evangelism back in the day, we used to go from village to village, village to village on cycling, like 15 kilometers one way, 10 kilometers, 8 kilometers, depends, isn't it? So once we went to a village, those days no microphone, no guitar, nothing, no worship team. I went along with my one friend. And that friend was also not willing. He was complaining. He said, brother, can we go next week? Today I think it's going to rain. Yeah. A man of faith, okay? <laughs> and then somehow I said, I convinced him. I said, go, brother, we have prayed for this day. We prayed for this particular city or village. And now we are going whatever happens. So we went there, okay? We are not good singers, you see? I can't sing. If I sing, you'll all run. If you will still sit here, it's because of the presence of God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we sang. And then I told them a story from my life, how God saved me. And after, after sharing my testimony, we prayed for the sick. And there were so many people who got healed that day. And there was one woman who was watching us closely. She was from that village. She knew the people who were sick and got healed. She came to us and say, brother, can you come to my house where my brother, my mother-in-law, see, a daughter, this is the first daughter-in-law who is asking prayer for her mother-in-law, okay? She came to me and said, brother, would you please pray for my mother-in-law 
who has been in bed for three years. And the brother with me was, he was very tired. He said, brother, I have to go for a night shift. And by the way, you know, we have to cycle back. Okay. So I said, okay, brother. Then this woman comes and stops us. This brother was saying, brother, next week we'll come. Next week definitely we'll come. I'm getting late for my work. Then again, somehow I convinced him. Let's go to this woman's house. And that poor lady was lying in bed. For three years, that was, that is where she was. Okay, every input and output was in that bed, okay. And we went there, I, I asked her, do you believe in Jesus? She said, I didn't know whether that was yes or no. I took it as a yes. <laughs> and then I asked, would you mind if I pray for you? Like Indians? Ha, <laughs> 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 ah, she did that. I didn't know. And that was in darkness, okay? In the dark. I somehow figured it was yes. And then I said a, a small prayer. Little bigger than what Brother Peter said. And then I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And then I asked her, how are you feeling? Again, same reaction. And I think, will you walk? If you think you are healed, will you walk? Again, same reaction. Then I said, brother, let's help. This woman is saying that she is healed. Will we help? Like I and her daughter-in-law, we both had the old woman stand on her feet. And we began to walk with her one step at a time. Don't run now, okay? You've been in this bed for three years. Don't even ever try to sprint now. Walk slowly. And she took one step, two steps, five steps, ten steps. I told the daughter-in-law, enough, you have been a good help for her. Leave her alone and I will walk with her for few more steps. Another 10 steps I walked with her. And after 10 steps, I said, can you walk alone? She said, I said, then why am I helping you? Walk. And she walked that night. Three years, this woman was bedridden. She couldn't move. She was eating there. She was doing everything in that place. And when the name of Jesus reached her, she was strengthened. She was healed. She was delivered. And she got restored that day. We went back home so pleased, thanking God for what he did. Amen. I'm telling, it's not my prayers. I just went as a voice of God. And I just did what God has commanded us to do. You shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Peter and John, they said, rise up and walk. Jesus was, the Bible says, if you can touch the sick person, he should be healed. That's the standard. So you and I, we have the name of Jesus today. We have the person, Holy Spirit, to lead us, to guide us, to use us also. What are we doing with what we have?
What are we doing? Peter said, look at us. Look at us. Look at us. The world cannot see Jesus. But the world can definitely see the disciple of Jesus. The world is following you. The people around you are following you. What are you speaking? What kind of a life you are living? What kind of a things that you are believing in will directly or indirectly influence them? And whenever God gives you an opportunity, or if you can make an opportunity, speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. By faith, you are not a healer. He is the healer. See, the beauty of the gospel is this. If you want to see your friends healed, delivered, saved, it's easy. It's what? It's easy. When you say in Jesus' name, they will be healed, they will be delivered, they will be saved. Whatever you represent Jesus as, that God will manifest. If you say, God, if you represent Jesus as a healer, God will heal people. Okay? Whatever you represent Jesus as. Okay? The beauty is this. The world cannot see Jesus. But they can see the disciple of Jesus. And when they are healed or delivered or blessed or be set free, they will not give credit to God. They will give credit to you. Yeah? And God is also not insecure about this. <laughs> God is not insecure. Hey, I healed and they are praising him. Let me stop. No, 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 no. He is not that. He's not that. God loves to partner with us. He does the work and he puts credit into our account. And people will respect us. People will look at us as a man of God, which we are, but the credit belongs to him. And he give it to us. When you go in Jesus' name, when you honor God, God will give it back to you. Whatever you give God, it comes back to you. When you honor God, God will bring honor back into your life. When you give God glory, he will glorify you. Whatever you give to God, he will bring it back into your life. Amen. What do you have? The world needs Jesus. I'm telling you, the world needs Jesus. We're going to read a verse in verse 2, Acts chapter 3, verse 2. It says, Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those who, from those going into the temple courts. The gate was called beautiful. Okay? But at the beautiful gate was someone who was crippled. Yeah? 
The world may look beautiful from the outside. People may look good on the outside. Well dressed, smell good, okay? Puts right things on face. Make sure that they appear good. But only deep down they know what they are going through. Isn't it? This man was at the beautiful gate with the crippled legs. This man was at the beautiful gate begging. Do not be deceived by the appearances of the people outside. A person without Jesus is in a mess. And sometimes they themselves don't know it. They may look good on the outside, wear good clothes, smell good, eat good, but something gravely wrong is happening in their life. They need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Jesus is the only answer to all the problems in the world. And guess what? We have this Jesus. Jesus is the answer to all the problems in the world. And guess what? We have this Jesus and we don't want to share this Jesus with them. Sometimes we become so selfish. We come here, we dance, we jump, we sweat and the others are sweating outside for a wrong reason and we don't care about it. Yeah? What are you doing with what you have? Jesus is the answer to all the problems in the world. If people need peace, Jesus is the answer. If they need healing, Jesus is the answer. If they need freedom, Jesus is the answer. If they need blessings, Jesus is the answer. And we carry this Jesus everywhere we go. We have Jesus in the house, we have Jesus inside of us, we have Jesus in the church but we are not willing to share this Jesus to the people around us in office, to the people around us in the neighborhood, to the people around us. We are seeing that they are dying, but yet we are not moved. We think, okay, it's not my responsibility. It's not my job. Can I tell you, we are all called to be the witness of Jesus. Despite of who you are, what background you come from, what your qualification is, what kind of a job you do, how much money you earn, despite of all this, we are all called to witness Jesus. Are we doing it? Are we doing it? Jesus is like a medicine to the dying world, isn't it? You don't want to give medicine to the, a person who is already dead. Yeah. People are dying. People are dying without Jesus. And we have this Jesus. 
and we are not doing anything about it. When Peter and John, they gave this man who was at the beautiful gate, they, when they gave this man Jesus, for the first time in his life, he entered into the church. Okay, I'll read for you. Acts chapter 3, verse 8. Okay, verse 7 and 8. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankle became strong. <coughs> verse 8. <clears throat> he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. For the first time, I believe, this man entered into the church. We are looking for a church growth. Okay? We are trying to advertise good. We should all do, we should do whatever we can. But people will come to church when they witness the goodness of God in their own life. Peter and John did not say, hey, come to our church. The worship is good here. Come. We have a good man of God who is preaching very powerful message. When this tasted, when this man tasted the power of God, they said, okay, this is the place where I have to go now. I cannot walk and jump and go outside or to my house for that reason. I have to go to this temple where I am at. So for the first time, he entered into the church. If you want to know the secret of the church growth, this is it. When you go out and give the world what you have, when the world receives or experiences the power of God, then the world will come to the church. Amen. Sadly, we have been running after people. Brother, please come to church. Are you, why did you miss last Sunday? And some people are, some people are little, like we are good, okay? Our churches are good. There are some churches I've seen, if you don't come to church, you will be cursed. Have you heard some pastors say that? Yeah, I'm telling you. Pastors are trying to blackmail people to come to church. Here, this man, no one had to blackmail. No one had, even asked him to come. When he experienced the power of God, he volunteered himself. Hey, by the way, where are you going? Oh, you're going here to church. Okay, can I also come? Can I also worship God? The Bible says he began to praise God. Okay? And when the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. When we begin to live a life of a revival list, people will be surprised. They will be amazed. Okay. What have you done to see your church grow like this? Oh, we have a church talk, isn't it? <laughs> we have a church talk. People will come and ask, hey, what did you do for your church to grow so quick? Hey, I have a secret. Come, let's sit. I'll talk you through. Amen. 
It is God's will for none to perish. It's not God's will for not even a person to perish. It is God's will that everyone should know him. Everyone should be in the family of God. And God is looking for partners who will partner with him in this. And to partner, God has already given us all the resources needed. He has given us all the things that is needed. The things that God gave to the apostles, we have it. But the question is, what are we doing with what we have? What are we doing with what we have? What are we doing? Can we surrender whatever God has given to us, to him tonight? And can we say, God, use me. Use me. Every individual in the church should be a soul winner. Every individual in the church should be a healers and deliverers. Everyone in the church should be the kingdom builders. Everyone in the church should cast out demons because God has given power to each and every one of us in the church. What are you doing with what you have? The world is dying. The world is inching closer and closer, closer and closer for the separation from God, eternal separation from God. What are we doing about it? Are you still thinking about your own life? Are you only thinking about your family? Are you only thinking about your work and your marriage, your children, your church, or are you thinking about the things God is thinking? Are you concerned about the things that God is concerned about? God is waiting all of us to come to him. Every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus is God. But sadly, some knees will bow before him because of the revelation they receive because of what we witness. And some will bow because God will punish them. In his sovereignty, in his goodness, their knees will bow because of the wrath of God on their life.